I'm Arielle Kahn with the Future of Life Institute. As you may have noticed, 2017 was a rather dramatic year. In fact, without me even mentioning anything specific, I'm willing to bet that you already have some examples forming in your mind of what a crazy year this was. But while it's easy to be discouraged by various news stories, we at FLI find ourselves hopeful that we can still create a bright future. But I'll let Max Tegmark, president of FLI, tell you a little more about that. I think it's important when we reflect back at the year's news to understand how things are all connected. For example, the drama we've been following with Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump and Putin with nuclear weapons is really very connected to all the developments in artificial intelligence, because in both cases, we have a technology which is so powerful that it's not clear that we humans have sufficient wisdom to manage it well. And that's why I think it's so important that we all continue working towards developing this wisdom further to make sure that we can use these powerful technologies like nuclear energy, like artificial intelligence, like biotechnology and so on to really help rather than harm us. And it's worth remembering that part of what made this such a dramatic year was that there were also some really positive things that happened. For example, in March of this year, I sat in a sweltering room in New York City as a group of dedicated, caring individuals from around the world discussed how they planned to convince the United Nations to ban nuclear weapons once and for all. I don't think anyone in the room that day realized that not only would they succeed, but by December of this year, the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, led by Beatrice Fine, would be awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for their efforts. And while we did what we could to help that effort, our own big story had to be the beneficial AI conference that we hosted in Asilomar, California. Many of us at FLI were excited to talk about Asilomar, but I'll let Anthony Aguirre, Max, and Victoria Krakovna start. I would say pretty unquestionably the big thing that I felt was most important and felt most excited about was the big meeting in Asilomar and centrally putting together the Asilomar principles. I'm going to select the Asilomar conference that we organized early this year, whose output was the 23 Asilomar principles, which have since been signed by over a thousand AI researchers around the world. I was really excited about the Asilomar conference that we organized this year. This was a sequel to FLI's Puerto Rico conference, which was at the time a real game changer in terms of uh, making AI safety more mainstream and connecting people working on AI safety with the machine learning community and integrating those two. And I think Asilomar did a great job at continuing to build on that. I'm very excited about this because I feel that um, this really has helped mainstream AI safety work, not just uh, near-term AI safety stuff like how to transform today's buggy and hackable computers into robust systems that you can really trust, but also mainstream longer-term issues. The Silmar principles actually contain the word superintelligence, contain the phrase existential risk, contain the phrase recursive self-improvement, and yet they have been signed by really a who's who in AI. So it's from now on, it's impossible for anyone to dismiss these kind of concerns and this kind of safety research by saying, oh, that's just people who have no clue about AI. That was a process that started, you know, in 2016, brainstorming at FLI and in the wider community and, and then getting rounds of feedback and so on. But it was exciting both to see how much cohesion there was in the community and how much support there was for getting behind some sort of principles governing AI, 
but also just to, to see the process unfold. Because one of the things that I'm quite frustrated about often is this sense that there's this technology that's just unrolling like a steamroller and it's just going to go where it's going to go and we don't have any agency over where that is. And so to see people really putting thought into what is the world we would like there to be, you know, in 10, 15, 20, 50 years, and how can we distill what it is that we like about that world into principles like these, that felt really, really good. It felt like an incredibly useful thing for society as a whole, but but in this case, you know, the people who are deeply engaged with AI to be thinking through in a real way, rather than just how can we put out the next fire or how can we just turn the progress, you know, one more step forward to really think about the destination. But what's that next step? How do we transition from principles that we all agree on to actions that we can also all get behind? Jessica Cousins joined FLI later in the year, but when asked what she was excited about as far as FLI was concerned, she immediately mentioned the implementation of things like the Asilomar principles. I'm most excited about the developments we've seen over the last year related to safe, beneficial, and ethical AI. Uh, I think FLI has been a really important player in this. We had the Beneficial AI Conference in January that resulted in the Silimar AI principles. And it's been really amazing to see how much traction those principles have gotten and to see a growing consensus around the importance of being thoughtful about the design of AI systems, the challenges of algorithmic bias, of data control and manipulation and accountability and governance. So the thing I'm most excited about right now is the growing number of initiatives we're seeing around the world related to ethical and beneficial AI. What's been great to see is the development of ideas both from FLI and from many other organizations of what policies might be good, what concrete legislative actions there might be, or standards from you know standards organizations or and nonprofits, what agreements between you know, companies and so on might be interesting. But I think we're only at the step of formulating those things and not that much action has been taken anywhere, you know, in terms of actually doing those things, little bits of legislation here and there. But I think we're getting to the point where lots of governments, lots of companies, lots of organizations are going to be publishing and creating and passing more and more of these things. And I think seeing that play out and, you know, working really hard to ensure that it plays out in a way that's favorable for, you know, in as many ways and as many people as possible, I think is super important and and something we're excited to do. So I think the SLMR principles are a great common point for researchers, like for the research community and others to agree what we are going for, what's important. I think besides having the principles as an output, the event itself was really good for building connections between different people from interdisciplinary backgrounds from different related fields who are interested in the questions of safety and ethics. And we also had this workshop that was adjacent to the Silmar where our grant winners actually presented their work. And I think this was great to have a concrete discussion of research and whether the progress we've made so far and not just abstract discussions of the future. And I hope that we can have more such technical events discussing research progress and making the discussion of AI safety really concrete as time goes on. And what is the current state of AI safety research? Richard Mala took on the task of answering that question for the Asilomar Conference, while Tucker Davey has spent the last year interviewing various FLI grant winners to better understand their work. I presented a landscape of technical AI safety research threads, and 
this lays out hundreds of different types of research areas and how they're related to each other. All different areas that need a lot more research going into them than they have today to help keep AI safe and uh, beneficent and robust. So I was I was really excited to be at Asilomar and to have co-organized Asilomar and that so many really awesome people were there and collaborating on these different types of issues and, and that they were using that landscape that I put together as a sort of a touch point and a way to coordinate. So that was that was pretty exciting. I just found it really inspiring interviewing all of our AI grant recipients. It's kind of been an ongoing project, interviewing these researchers and writing about what they're doing. And just for me, getting recently involved in AI, it's been incredibly interesting to get either half an hour or an hour with these researchers to talk in depth about their work and really to learn more about a research landscape that I hadn't been aware of before working at FLI. Um, so really being a part of those interviews and learning more about the people we're working with and these people that are really spearheading AI safety was, was really inspiring to be a part of. And with that, we have a big announcement. So FLI is launching a new grants program in 2018. This time around, we'll be focusing more on artificial general intelligence and artificial superintelligence and ways that we can do technical research and, and other kinds of research today on today's systems or things that we can analyze today, things that we can model or make theoretical progress on today that are likely to actually still be relevant at the time where AGI comes about. So, so this is quite exciting, and I'm excited to be part of the uh, ideation and administration around that. I'm particularly excited about the new grants program that we're launching for AI safety research. Since AI safety research itself has become so much more mainstream since we did our last grants program three years ago, there's now quite a bit of funding for a number of near-term challenges. And I feel that we at FLI should therefore focus on things more related to challenges and opportunities from superintelligence, since there's still virtually no funding for that kind of safety research. And um, it's going to be really exciting to see what proposals come in and what research teams get selected by the review panels and above all, how this kind of research hopefully will contribute to making sure that we can use this powerful technology to create a really awesome future. And I think this grant program could really build on the impact of our previous grant program. And I'm really excited that it's going to focus more on long-term AI safety research, which is still the most neglected area. Near-term AI safety has really caught on in the past few years, and there's been a lot more work on that going on, which is great. And part of what this means is that we at FLI can focus more on the long-term. And the, the long-term work has also been getting more attention, and, and this grant program can help us build on that and make sure that the important problems get solved. So I think this is really exciting. I just came back from spending a week at the NIPS conference, the biggest artificial intelligence conference of the year. And it's just fascinating how rapidly everything is proceeding. Alpha Zero has now defeated not just human chess players and Go players, but also defeated human AI researchers who, after spending 30 years handcrafting artificial intelligence software to play computer chess got all <laughs> their work completely crushed by Alpha Zero. They just learned to do much better than that from scratch in four hours. So AI is really happening, whether we like it or not. And 
the challenge we face is simply to complement that with AI safety research and a lot of good thinking to make sure that this helps humanity flourish rather than flounder. In the spirit of flourishing, FLI also turned its attention this year to the movement to ban lethal autonomous weapons. While there is great debate around how to define autonomous weapons and whether or not they should be developed, more people tend to agree that the topic should at least come before the UN for negotiations. And so we helped create the video Slaughterbots to help drive this conversation. I'll let Max take it from here. Slaughterbots, autonomous little drones that can go anonymously murder people without any human control. They fortunately don't exist yet. Um, we hope that an international treaty is going to keep it that way, even though we almost have the technology to do them already. You just need to integrate and mass produce tech that we already have. So to help with this, we made this video called Slaughterbots. And uh, it was really impressive to see it get over 40 million views and make the news throughout the world. And uh, I was very happy that Stuart Russell, whom we partnered with on this, also presented this to the assembled uh, diplomats at the United Nations in Geneva when they were discussing whether to move towards a treaty drawing a line in the sand. You know, pushing on the autonomous weapons front, it's been really scary, I would say, to, to think through that issue. But a little bit like the issue of AI in general, you know, there, there's, a, there's a potentially scary side, but there's also a potentially hopeful side in that I think this is an issue that is a little bit tractable and that even a relatively small group of committed individuals can make a difference in it. So I think I'm excited to see, you know, how much movement we can get on the autonomous weapons front. It doesn't seem at all like a hopeless issue to me. And I think 2018 will will be kind of a turning point. I hope that will be sort of a turning point for that issue. It's it's kind of flowed under the radar, but it's it really is coming up now. And it will be at least interesting. <laughs> Hopefully it will be exciting and, and happy and, and so on as well as interesting, but it will at least be interesting to see how it plays out on the world stage. For 2018, I'm hopeful that we will see the continued growth of the global momentum against lethal autonomous weapons. Already this year, a lot has happened at the United Nations and across communities around the world, uh, including thousands of AI and robotics researchers speaking out and saying they don't want to see their work used to create these kinds of destabilizing weapons of mass destruction. So one thing I'm really excited for 2018 is to see a louder rallying call for an international ban of lethal autonomous weapons. Yet one of the biggest questions we face when trying to anticipate autonomous weapons and artificial intelligence in general, and even artificial general intelligence, one of the biggest questions is, when? When will these technologies be developed? If we could answer that, then solving problems around those technologies could become both more doable and possibly more pressing. This is an issue Anthony has been considering. Of most interest has been the the overall set of projects to predict artificial intelligence timelines and milestones. And this is something that I've been doing through this prediction website, Metaculus, which I've been a part of, and also something that I, where I took part in a, a very small workshop run by the Foresight Institute over the summer. And it's both a, a super important question because I think the, the overall urgency with which we have to deal with certain issues really depends on how far away they are. And it's also an instructive one in that 
even posing the questions of, you know, what do we want to know exactly, really forces you to think through what is it that you care about? How would you estimate things? What different considerations are there in terms of the sort of big question? You know, we have this sort of big question like, when is really powerful AI going to appear? But when you dig into that, what exactly is really powerful? What exactly, what does appear mean? Does that mean in sort of an academic setting? Does it mean becomes part of everybody's life? So there are all kinds of nuances to that overall big question that kind of lots of people are asking. And just getting into refining the questions, trying to pin down what it is that we mean, make them exact so that they can be things that people can make sort of precise and numerical predictions about, I think has been really, really interesting and elucidating to me in in sort of understanding what all the issues are. So I'm excited to see how that kind of continues to unfold as we get more questions and more predictions and more expertise focused on that. Uh, Also a little bit nervous because the timeline seemed to be getting shorter and shorter and the urgency of the issues seems to be getting greater and greater. Um, So that's a, a bit of a fire under us, I think, to to keep acting and keep a lot of intense effort on making sure that as AI gets more powerful, uh, we get better at managing it. One of the current questions AI researchers are struggling with is the problem of value alignment, especially when considering more powerful AI. Maya Kita-Tegmark and Lucas Perry recently co-organized an event to get more people thinking creatively about how to address this. So we've just um, organized a workshop about the ethics of value alignment together with a few partner organizations, the Bergeron Institute and also CIFAR. This was a workshop recently that took place in California. And just to remind everyone, value alignment is the process by which we bring AI's actions, goals, and intention in alignment with and in accordance with what is deemed to be the good or what are human values and preferences and goals and intentions. And we had a fantastic group of thinkers there. We had philosophers, we had social scientists, AI researchers, political scientists. And, you know, we, we were all discussing this very, very important issue of, you know, how do we get an artificial intelligence that is aligned to our own goals and our own values? And I think it was it was really important to have the perspectives of ethicists and moral psychologists, for example, because this question is not just about the technical aspect of how do you actually implement it, but also about whose values do we want implemented and who should be part of the conversation and who gets excluded and what what process do we want to to establish to collect all the you know preferences that and, and values that we want implemented in AI? So, so that was that was really really fantastic, and it was a very nice uh, start to what I hope will continue to be a, a really fruitful collaboration between different disciplines on this very important topic. I think one essential takeaway from that was that value alignment is truly something that is that is interdisciplinary. It's normally been something which has been couched and understood in the context of technical AI safety research. But value alignment, at least in my view, also inherently includes ethics and governance. It, it seems that the project of, of creating beneficial AI through efforts and value alignment can really only happen when when we have lots of different people from lots of different disciplines working together on this supremely hard issue. So I think the issue with AI is is something that, you know, first of all, it, it concerns such a great number of people. It concerns all of us. It really, it will impact 
and it already is impacting all of our experiences. And, you know, there are different disciplines that, that look at this impact from different ways. Of course, technical AI researchers will, will focus on, the, on developing this technology, but it's very important to think about how does this technology co-evolve with us, for example. I'm a psychologist. I like to think about how does it impact our own psyche? How does it impact the way we act in the world, the way we behave? Um, Stuart Russell many times likes to point out that one danger that can come with very intelligent machines is a subtle one, not necessarily what they will do, but what we will not do because of them. Uh, and he calls this uh, enfeeblement, right? What are the capacities that are being you know, stifled because we no longer engage in some of the cognitive tasks that we're now delegating to AIs? So that's just one example of how, for example, psychologists can help um, and you know, really, really bring more light on and make us reflect on what is it that we want from our machines and how, how do we want to, to interact with them and how do we want to design them such that they actually empower us rather than enfeeble us. Yeah, I, I think that one essential thing to, to FLI's mission and goal is, is the generation of beneficial AI. And to me and I think many other people coming out of this Ethics of Value Alignment conference you know, what beneficial exactly entails and what beneficial looks like is still a, a really open question, both in the short term and in the long term. So I'd be really interested in seeing both FLI and other organizations pursue questions and value alignment more vigorously, issues in, with regard to the ethics of AI and issues regarding value and, and the sort of world that we want to live in. And what sort of world do we want to live in? If you've made it this far through the podcast, you might be tempted to think that all we worry about is AI. And we do think a lot about AI. But our primary goal is to help society flourish. And so this year, we created the Future of Life Award to be presented to people who act heroically to ensure our survival and hopefully move us closer to that ideal world. Our inaugural award was presented in honor of Vasily Arkhipov, who stood up to his commander on a Soviet submarine and prevented the launch of a nuclear weapon during the height of tensions in the Cold War. One thing that particularly stuck out to me was our inaugural Future of Life Award. And we presented this award to Vasily Arkhipov, who was a Soviet officer in the Cold War and arguably saved the world and is the reason we're all alive today. He, he's now passed, but FLI presented a generous award to his daughter and his grandson. It was really cool to be a part of this because it seemed like the first award of its kind. So, of course, with FLI, we have all these big projects, you know, that take a lot of time. But I think for me, one of the more you know, exciting and, and heartwarming and, and wonderful moments that I was able to experience due to our work here at FLI was, you know, a train ride from London to Cambridge with Elena and Sergei, the daughter and the grandson of Vasily Arkhipov. So uh, Vasily Arkhipov is this Russian naval officer that helped prevent a second world war in the Cuban Missile Crisis. And um, the Future of Life Institute awarded him the Future of Life Prize this year. And he is now dead, unfortunately, but his daughter and his, his grandson was there in London to receive it. It was great to get to meet them in person and to all go on stage together and have them talk about their attitude towards the dilemma that Vasily Arhipov has faced and 
know, how it is relevant today and how we should be really careful with nuclear weapons and protecting our future. So it was really inspiring. Uh, at that event, Max was giving his talk about his book. And then at the end, we had uh, the Ahipovs come up on stage. And then it was kind of fun for me to translate their sort of speech to the audience. I feel like I could not fully transmit all the eloquence. But yeah, I felt like it was a very special moment. And it was just so amazing to really, you know, listen to their stories about, you know, the father, the grandfather, and uh, look at photos that they had brought all the way from Moscow. You know, this person who has become the hero for so many people that are really concerned about this essential risk, it was nice to really imagine him and in his capacity as a as a son as a as a as a grandfather as a as a husband as a human being it was very very inspiring and touching one of the the nice things was they showed a photo of him um that had actually notes uh, that he had written on the back of it and that was his his favorite photo and one of the comments he made is that he felt that that was the most beautiful photo of himself because there was no glint in his eyes. It was just this pure sort of concentration. I thought that said a lot about his character. He also always looked very, very pensive, very much like, you know, you'd imagine a, a hero who saved the world would be. It was especially interesting for me to work on the press release for this award and to reach out to people from different news outlets like The Guardian and The Atlantic and to actually see them write about this award. I think something like the Future of Life Award is inspiring because it highlights people in the past that have done an incredible service to civilization. But I also think it's interesting to look forward and think about who might be the future Vasily Arkhipov that saves the world. As Tucker just mentioned, this award was covered by news outlets like The Guardian and The Atlantic. And in fact, we've been incredibly fortunate to have many of our events covered by major news. However, there are even more projects we've worked on that we think are just as important and that we're just as excited about that most people probably aren't aware of. Yeah, so, so people may not know that FLI recently joined the partnership on AI. Uh, this is the group that was founded by Google and Amazon, Facebook and Apple and others to think about issues like safety and fairness and impact from AI systems. And so I'm excited about this because I think it's really great to see this kind of social commitment from industry and it's going to be critical to have the support and engagement from these players to really see AI being developed in a way that's positive for everyone. So I'm really happy that FLI is now one of the partners of what will likely be an important initiative for AI. I attended the first meeting of the Partnership on AI in October. And to see at that meeting so much discussion of some of the principles themselves directly, but, but just in a broad sense, uh, so much discussion from all of the key organizations that are engaged with AI, that, that almost all of whom had representation there, about how are we going to make these things happen? You know, if we tr value transparency or if we value fairness, if we value safety and trust in AI systems, how are we going to actually get together and formulate best practices and policies and groups and data sets and things to make all that happen? And to see the the speed at which I would say the field has moved from purely, wow, we can do this, to how are we going to do this right and how are we going to do this well and what does this all mean, has been a, a, a ray of hope, I would say. So AI is moving so fast, but it was, it was good to see that I think the sort of wisdom race 
hasn't been conceded entirely, that there are a dedicated group of people who are working really hard to figure out how to do it well. And then there's Dave Stanley, who has been the force around many of the behind-the-scenes projects that our volunteers have been working on that have helped FLI grow this year. As for another project that's been very much ongoing and more relates to the website is basically our ongoing effort to make the English content on the website that's been fairly influential in English-speaking countries about AI safety and nuclear weapons and take that content and make it available in a lot of other languages to kind of maximize the impact that it's having. So right now, thanks to the efforts of our volunteers, uh, we have 55 translations available on our website right now um, in nine different languages, which are Russian, Chinese, French, Polish, Spanish, German, Hindi, Japanese, and Korean. And all in all, this represents about almost a thousand hours of uh, volunteer time put in by our team of volunteers. So if it's okay, I'd just like to give a shout out to some of the volunteers who've been involved. They are Alan Yan, Kevin Wong, Kazue Evans, Jacob Beebe, Jason Orlowski, Lena, Benna Lim, Alina Covton, Ben Peterson, Carolyn Wu, Jaren Joanna Wong, Mayumi Nakamura, Derek Su, Dipti Pandi, Marvin Eagle, Vera Koroliva, Gregor Orvinsky, Simon Radcisevich, Natalia Berezovskaya, Vladimir Nemensky, Natalia Kuzmenko, George Gadula, Eric Gastfrind, Olivier Grandin, Claire Park, Chris Duwen, Yishwe Du, and Ravathi Kumar. As we've worked to establish AI safety as a global effort, Dave and the volunteers were behind the trip Richard took to China earlier this year, where he participated in the Global Mobile Internet Conference in Beijing. So basically, this was something that was actually prompted and largely organized by one of FLI's volunteers, George Gadula, who's um, based in uh, Shanghai right now. And basically, this is partially motivated by the fact that recently China's promoting a lot of investment in artificial intelligence research, and they've actually made it a national objective to become a leader in AI research by 2025. So FLI and the team have been making some efforts to um, basically try to build connections with China and raise awareness about AI safety, at least our view on AI safety, and um, engage in dialogue there. And this this culminated with George organizing this trip for Richard and a large portion of the, um, the FLI volunteer team participating in basically support for that trip. So um, identifying contacts for Richard to connect with over there and um, kind of researching the landscape, providing sort of general support for that. And then that's been coupled with an effort to take some of the existing articles that FLI has on their website about AI safety and translate those into Chinese to make it accessible to that audience. In fact, Richard has spoken at many conferences, workshops, and other events this year, and he's noted a distinct shift in how AI researchers view AI safety. This is a single example of many of these things I've done throughout the year, but Yesterday, I gave a, uh, a talk to a bunch of machine learning and artificial intelligence researchers and entrepreneurs um, in Boston, here where I'm based, about AI safety and beneficence. And every time I, I do this, it's, it's, really, um, it's really fulfilling that so many of these people who really are pushing the leading edge of what AI does in many respects, that they realize that these are extremely valid concerns and there are new types of technical avenues to 
help just keep things better for the future. And the fact that I'm not receiving pushback anymore as compared to many years ago when I would talk about these things, that people really are trying to engage and understand and kind of weave themselves into whatever is going to turn into the best outcome for humanity, given the type of leverage that advanced AI will, will bring us. I think people are starting to, to, really, to really get what's at stake. And this isn't just the case among AI researchers. Throughout the year, we've seen this discussion about AI safety broaden into various groups outside of traditional AI circles. And we're hopeful this trend will continue in 2018. I think that 2017 has been fantastic, you know, to start this this project of, of getting more thinkers from different disciplines to really engage with the topic of artificial intelligence. But I think we are, you know, just managed to scratch the surface of, of this topic in this collaboration. So I would really, really like to work more on, on strengthening this conversation and this flow of ideas between different disciplines. And I think we can we can achieve so much more if we can make sure that you know we, we hear each other, that we go past our own disciplinary jargon, and that we truly are able to communicate and join each other in, in research projects where we can bring different tools and different skills to the table. The landscape on AI safety research that Richard presented at Asilomar at the start of the year was designed to enable greater understanding among researchers. Lucas rounded off the year with another version of the landscape, this one looking at ethics and value alignment with the goal, in part, of bringing more experts from other fields into the conversation. So one thing that I'm also really excited about for next year is seeing our conceptual landscapes of both AI safety and value alignment being used in more educational contexts and in contexts in which they can foster interdisciplinary conversations regarding issues in AI. I think that their virtues are that they create a conceptual landscape of both AI safety and value alignment, but also include definitions and descriptions of, of jargon. So given this, it functions both as a means by which you can introduce people to, to AI safety and value alignment and, and AI risk, but it also serves as a means as introducing experts to to sort of the conceptual mappings of the spaces that other experts are engaged with and so they can learn each other's jargon and, and really have conversations that are, that are fruitful and, and sort of streamlined. As we look to 2018, we hope to develop more programs, work on more projects, and participate in more events that will help draw greater attention to the various issues we care about. We hope to not only spread awareness, but also to empower people to take action to ensure that humanity continues to flourish in the future. There's a few things that are coming up that I'm really excited about. The first one is um, basically we're going to be trying to release some new interactive apps on the website that'll hopefully be pages that can gather a lot of attention and um, educate people about, about the issues that we're focused on, namely nuclear weapons and answering questions to give people a better picture of kind of why, what are the geopolitical and economic factors that motivate countries to keep their nuclear weapons? And how does this relate to uh, public support based on polling data for whether the general public wants to keep these weapons or not? 
Well, one thing that that I think has made me also very excited in 2017, and I'm looking forward to seeing the evolution of in 2018, was the public's engagement with this topic. I've had the luck to be in the audience for many of the book talks that Max has given for his book, Life 3.0, Being Human in the Age of Artificial Intelligence. And it was fascinating just to listen to the questions. They've become so much more sophisticated and uh, nuanced than a few years ago. And I'm very, very curious to, to see how this evolves in 2018. And I hope that FLI will contribute to, to this conversation and making it, making it more rich. So I think I'd like, I'd like people in general to get engaged with, with this topic much more and you know, refine their understanding of it. Well, I think in general, it's been amazing to watch FLI this year because we've made big splashes in so many different things with the Asilomar conference, with our Slaughterbots video, helping with the nuclear ban. But I think one thing that I'm particularly interested in is working more this coming year to, I guess, engage my generation more on these topics. I sometimes sense a lot of defeatism and hopelessness with people in my generation, kind of feeling like there's nothing we can do to solve civilization's biggest problems. And I think being at FLI has kind of given me the opposite perspective. Sometimes I'm still subject to that defeatism, but working here really gives me a sense that we can actually do a lot to solve these problems. And I'd really like to just find ways to engage more people in my generation to make them feel like they actually have some sense of agency to solve a lot of our biggest challenges. Learn about these issues and more, join the conversation, and find out how you can get involved by visiting futureoflife.org.